Transat and WestJet once again defending their decision not to issue refunds after thousands of flights were canceled, of course, due to COVID. Gabor Luchak is a passenger rights expert and joins us now for more on this here on Global News Radio. Gabor, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Nice to speak as always. First of all, give us your take, if you could, on what you heard from executives yesterday. I heard lots of falsehood. The, those executives were not speaking the truth, and um, the, I'm really glad to have this opportunity to address how things actually work. When you look at the airline's terms and conditions for Swoop, for Air Transit, for WestJet, whatever they had on their website in March 2020, it clearly required refunds regardless of the circumstances. In the case of Swoop, it was very clear, explicitly saying that the refund would be provided. Even in the case of force majeure, I have a copy of the their tariff. With Air Transit, it made it clear that the choice, whether you want a voucher or uh, a refund, is at the passenger's discretion. Uh, with WestJet, there was also a force majeure language in what was posted at the time on their website. So uh, their claims as to what their terms and conditions say are simply false. When they call All right, well, let me ask you, because they were facing some direct questions, I'm sorry, from MPs in Ottawa yesterday, and part of their argument, these airline executives, was that passengers did not uh, get or buy a refundable ticket. Uh, is that an upcharge like so many other things when it comes to air travel? This is a falsehood, again, because when you uh, talk about a refundable ticket, that refers to what happens if you, the passenger, choose to cancel, for example, because you don't no longer want to travel. But we are talking here about situations where the airline canceled, not the passengers. The airline stopped operating. In those cases, the terms and conditions and the law is clear that the passengers are owed refunds. It's black and white in the airline's terms and conditions. What I'm finding unfortunate is that because of the forum, those uh, executives weren't properly quizzed on the terms and conditions of their own airlines. Obviously, an MP cannot have their the terms and conditions of five different airlines. But when you actually look at it for Swoop, it is Rule 90. For uh, Air Transit, it's Rule 21, Sub-Rule 2. Uh, for Wedget, it was Rule 75. So uh, they, they could have easily been challenged on this because of the contractual language. The contract says, actually, that even in the case of a force majeure, if the airline cancels, they have to provide a refund to the original form of payment. Okay, so you believe that maybe MPs didn't ask the right questions or tough enough questions yesterday, and it seems like every time you and I talk, I ask you, Gabor, the same question. Is government doing enough for passengers? And I know, why doesn't the Bill of Rights demand refunds be given? I mean, if you can't provide the requested service at the requested time, doesn't it just kind of make basic sense, it's basic logic that you should be entitled to a refund? Of course, and the law is clear. That's why there are so many class actions and so many uh, people demanding a refund, because it's one of the most obvious things. Now, you are in Ontario. So in Ontario, you also have the Ontario Consumer Protection Act, which also provides a right to a refund independently of any kind of aviation context in any kind of business where you have a future performance contract, where you pay in advance and they are going to provide your service later they do have to provide a refund if they are unable to provide the services. You can basically tell them, sorry, you didn't provide a service, um, and I'm canceling the contract, and you have to give me a refund. It's right in the uh, Ontario Consumer Protection Act. 
Okay, they obviously, the executives in these airlines, they are offering vouchers, travel credits. In your opinion, why is that not enough? Um, it's not a question of my opinion. It's a question of what the law says. As I already told you, the law says that passengers are entitled to a full refund to the original form of payment. Uh, the reason the law says that it's because the basic contractual principle, when you make a contract to deliver a particular service or goods and the other party does not deliver it or even unable to deliver it for whatever reason, uh, the basic requirement is that they have to give you back whatever you paid for it. It's, it's uh, many hundred years principle in law. It ties back to frustrated contracts principle. And uh, what is true that they don't have to pay you on top of the refund additional compensation. If it was something that they have a control, they would also have to compensate you for inconvenience. But not paying refunds is, is a complete absurd that uh, I, simply the airlines are doing it because they're getting away with it, not because it's legal. All right, we will leave it there for now. Gabor, appreciate your time as always. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you very much for having me. All right, be well. There's Gabor Luchak, who's a passenger rights expert. And once we are able to fly again, get back up in the air in the not-too-distant future, what exactly is air travel going to look like and aircrafts in particular? There's one aircraft maker who is out with designs for a double-decker airplane, kind of like a double-decker bus, the sightseeing buses you might see in and around uh, Toronto. Is that the future for air travel? Let's ask Jock Williams, our aviation expert. He's on the line and joins us for more in this part of the story here on Global News Radio. Jock, good afternoon. Nice to speak as always. Hi, Jeff. Always good talking to you. All right. Is this actually something that's doable, a double-decker airplane where you got seats on top of seats that allow, <laughs> of course, for a little more physical distancing in this uh, COVID yeah. age? Well, it, it is feasible, let's say. Whether it's practical is another story. And remember, this isn't an aircraft manufacturer. This is a seat manufacturer who is trying to sell this idea. Uh, there are double-decker airplanes already, as you know. The Boeing 747, the, at least the larger series of them, had quite an extensive second floor. And the same thing is true of the uh, Airbus A380. But both of them are pretty much fading out of service right now, the Airbus, after an incredibly short period of service. And the reason is that they, they really just didn't work out. You know, there, there often wasn't enough people to justify flying a plane of that size and so on. I see difficulties in, in as much as if you try to pack a bunch of people in horizontally, they don't fit the same way as if you try to pack them in vertically. There was an airline recently in, in England, I think it may have been Ryanair, that was trying to get permission to fly people like strap hangers on a subway where they would actually stand and fly from London to Paris and, and they would land. And that would be just fine as long as they didn't crash along the way. But imagine a bunch of standees getting hurled to the front of an airplane at 150 knots or whatever. Uh, yeah, I'm in line for the bathroom, Jock, when we hit turbulence, yeah. and it's no fun. <laughs> well, Never mind trying to stand like I'm on a subway for a whole That's flight. right. That's right. But there's other things that, that enter into it. One of the ways we design aircraft seating is that it has to uh, be possible to evacuate the aircraft in X number of seconds from the, the moment that a referee yells, go, and everybody tries to get out one of the passenger escape uh, slides or whatever. Well, how sure. are these people going to be getting out of this overhead uh, bunk arrangement? You know, it, it's a very difficult concept to envision. I'm not saying it can't be done, but I mean, there was 
there was one manufacturer who was even talking about putting the passengers in. Each, every second one would be head up, you know, head up, feet up, head up, feet up. Oh, <laughs> right, yeah. suggested that you just maybe you pour some olive oil over them. Like a well, let, let me ask you before we run out of time, Jock, how do you expect airplanes and aircraft to change in this COVID era as we eventually all maybe return to a travel in the skies someday? The biggest thing that I expect is we may be using oxygen masks for everybody all the time. You know, the, the big thing that worries me about COVID is that do you want to get on a sealed aluminum tube and stay inside it? for 16 or 17 hours with a bunch of other people while you fly from New York to Paris or whatever. And the basic idea is I don't want to be breathing that very same air that everybody else has ingested and expelled and so on. So maybe provision of a private air source would be a more attractive option. People aren't used to wearing oxygen masks, but they can get used to them. They weren't used to wearing face masks to prevent infection until recently, and we seem to be able to do it now. So that's that's the biggest change that I would see is you keep the seating, but you make sure that everybody has a clean individual air source. And that could be done. You know, it would not be a major problem. Yeah, interesting thought. Jock, I have to leave it there. Great to talk with you as always. Thanks so much for the time. Good talking to you, Jeff. Be well. There's a Jock Williams, our aviation expert.